This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. A triple shot of quakes off the B.C. coast this morning, including a 5.6 magnitude tremor off of Haida Gwaii. The experts say those were aftershocks from a 6.2 magnitude offshore quake on Wednesday. Meanwhile, of course, we also had that 6.4 earthquake in Southern California this week. What is going on? It looks like there's a lot going on. Uh, let's check in now with Mika McKinnon. She's a geophysicist and a disaster researcher in North Vancouver. Hi, Mika. Hello. Thanks a lot for coming on. What's been going on here these past 48 hours? I gotta say, this is just slightly normal seismic activity. We all oh. live along big fault zones up here in British Columbia. It's a subduction zone, one plate under another in California. It's an infamous San Andreas fault area, one plate sliding past each other. We have about 100 to 200 magnitude sixes every year. One's going to happen every few days somewhere in the world. Okay, so this is normal, what we've been seeing here this week. Yes, it's a little bit scary, and it's a nice reminder to get prepared, get your earthquake kits together, have a plan. Remember that if there is an earthquake, drop cover, hold on, or if you can't drop because of mobility, lock cover, hold on. But this is nothing all that unusual. Okay, a lot of people have got questions, I think, or are curious about the situation. So what I'm going to do right now, Mika, is read the phone lines out, and we'll see if we can get some phone calls lined up as, as we talk. So if you have a question about earthquakes or earthquake preparedness give me a call right now 604-280-9898 is the number to call 604-280-9898 star 9898 on your cell all right mika we had the quakes off of Haida Gwaii there and also this week we had that quake in california are these related in any way no, they are not. I understand why it makes sense. They're both on the West Coast, but the Earth is very, very, very big, and they're just too far apart. They're different fault systems. You're only going to really have those aftershocks happening fairly close to the original earthquake. Okay, is it likely at some point we're going to feel a quake in Vancouver? Well, at some point over the next 50 to 100 years, yes, absolutely. Uh, whether or not we're going to feel one in the next couple of days, this has not really changed our odds, our likelihood at all. Um, it's There's a lot of energy that's built up along our fault lines. Uh, it's been, roughly speaking, 300 years since we last had a really big earthquake, and they happen every couple of centuries. So, yes, there is a chance we could get a, an earthquake in Vancouver, and everybody should be prepared for that but those chances haven't really changed today versus yesterday versus last year and next year right right okay so when we see these quakes off the north coast of bc you see an earthquake in california that as you said like that's normal activity it doesn't mean like oh my god like the the, the you know this is a warning maybe the big one is coming yeah, exactly. I mean, one of this is one of those dirty little secrets about seismology and geophysics is that we call things for quakes or main quakes or aftershocks of the quake. Uh, but we don't actually know which is which just by looking at it alone in isolation. It's yeah. we have to pick out which was the main earthquake later on by going, oh, that one was the biggest. So, so far, everything looks like the initial earthquake was the big earthquake and we're seeing a normal aftershock sequence of smaller earthquakes happening less and less frequency frequently the longer we get from that original earthquake but there's always this tiny chance 
this small little chance is actually a forequake and it's the buildup and there will be a bigger one later on. Um, mm. And that's, that's just one of those complexities that the mechanisms are all the same. So we can't tell that unless we're looking retroactively. Right. So if you take a look at the activity we've seen this week, and as you mentioned, this is uh, normal activity that we're seeing. So it doesn't mean like we're seeing more earthquake activity right now or the, or the earthquake activity has been increasing. This is kind of normal. This is pretty normal. We get about 100 to 200 magnitude 6 earthquakes somewhere in the world every year, which is roughly speaking one every couple of days. It just happens they both are on the West Coast this time, as opposed to one here and one in Japan or one here and one in Chile in a different seismic zone. Okay, when we take a look at these Richter numbers, I mean, we see uh, like a 6.4 on the Richter scale in Southern California this week. We're, we're told that the one that happened offshore here on Wednesday night was a, a 6.2. What do those numbers say to you when you see a 6.4, 6.2? Are those big numbers? I'm actually going to answer a slightly different question, which is the Richter scale hasn't been used for over a decade, no. and we've been doing something better since before I was born. Um, <laughs> so you're okay. talking about a, a term that has been zombieing on because it's oh. so popular in, in movies. Okay. We actually talk about moment magnitude instead. So it's still magnitude yeah. um, and it's talking about how much energy is released, but Richter doesn't exist anymore. Um, oh. So, <laughs> sorry, I got so distracted by that. You were asking about how, how much this energy is, what does it feel like? Yeah. So every step you go up in magnitude is um, 100 times more energy released. So a magnitude six, it would take a hundred magnitude sixes to hit the same energy as a magnitude seven, or it would take a thousand magnitude sixes to relieve the stress that would be um, built up for a magnitude eight, which also really gets at this idea of this hasn't really changed our chances of the next big earthquake because we've just released a thousandth of the energy that was built up when we get magnitude eight and nine earthquakes in this Cascadia subduction zone here in British Columbia. Okay, can we predict earthquakes? <laughs> we can forecast, but we can't predict. So we cannot say exactly where and when an earthquake will happen, but we can talk about the likelihood that what will happen. And we can know the regions it will happen in and the types of earthquakes you would get in different regions. Like we get very different types of earthquakes in California versus British Columbia. And that comes down to the geology of the area. In California, the plates, the tectonic plates slide past each other at about the same rate fingernails grow, so a couple of, of centimeters per year. And in British Columbia, same speed, but one plate is going underneath another. And it's actually that plate going underneath is not only why we have much bigger earthquakes, but why those earthquakes happen less frequently and why we have volcanoes in British Columbia and up and down the Pacific Northwest. All of those things are related to each other. Okay, speaking of Mika McKinnon, she's a geophysicist. We're talking about some of the earthquake activity we've seen this week. If you have a question about earthquakes, give her a call right now. 604-280-9898 is the number. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to a call right now. Joe in Pitt Meadows. Hiya, Joe. Howdy. Um, so question for you would be, uh, my coworker uh, told me a few days ago that with Richmond and Delta being below sea level, if we ever get hit by a really bad earthquake, 
those would be really bad regions to be. I was hoping to confirm if that um, if there's some truth to that or if he's just kind of pulling stuff out of the air. All right. So this comes down to what type of land and what type of rocks are you on? So if you're on hard, solid bedrock, then an earthquake is going to shake very little. And if you're on fresh, new sediment, like in a river valley or a delta, it's going to shake a lot. And it's going to do something called liquefaction. It's like the geologic equivalent of oatmeal. So it's not that uh, the ground will turn into big huge gaping cracks like we see in the movies instead it's that the ground gets very soft and squishy and all the buildings on it just kind of go wonky sideways so it's less that um being in these areas and yeah that does absolutely include richmond it includes most of the fraser valley all those flat areas i'm sorry about that since you're out in pit meadows but all those nice lovely flat farming areas with really good fertile soil are unconsolidated saturated sediments and they're gonna react with a lot of significant shaking during an earthquake and it's gonna lead to more building damage there than you would somewhere in north vancouver or in um whistler which are built on rock Okay, it's a terrible thing to ponder. I mean, my goodness, you know, I mean, but hey, this is, it's a reality. I mean, this is the reality of the situation. I'm taking a look on Twitter, Mika, and Lee sends a tweet. If the big one, if the big one hits, what about Vancouver Island? What would be the impact there? Any idea? All right. So one of the consequences of having this subduction zone where one plate is going underneath another is that we have offshore earthquakes that move the ocean floor. So there's vertical movement, and that sets off tsunami. And those tsunami come in and they can, uh, the, the land drops down, the ocean comes in, you have great big, huge destructive waves, one after another after another. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why if you're ever on Vancouver Island, well, really, if you're ever in any coast and you fear, feel severe shaking, as soon as the earthquake ends, run to high ground, yeah. you might be getting a tsunami far too soon to get a warning about it. So you just have to know. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Oh, if you feel shaking, run to high ground. Um, okay. Okay. Flooded, okay. Well, yeah. yes, for a little while, but then the waves will go back out again afterwards. So yeah. not long-term flooded forever. If you got a question about earthquakes, uh, call right now, 604-280-9898. Back to the phones we go. Wendy and Burnaby, hi. Oh, hi. I was wondering if you could tell me what is the best way to store water in uh, terms of preparation? Fantastic. So it's really good to be thinking about water. We want people to have at least four liters of water per person for a day, per day uh, and at least a three-day supply. So drinking, food preparation, personal hygiene, dishwashing, all of that needs to come out of your own water supply if we have a really big earthquake. Um, you're going to want to have commercially treated water. We don't actually have... You could do... Um, treatment on the fly so you can boil water you can use disinfected tablets things like that but you can't 
um, treat your water to high enough quality to be able to store it yourself. So that would be an, an afterwards thing. Um, in terms of what's the best way to get storage is anything that's in a food safe container. I'd recommend things that are non-breakable. You don't really want to use glass. If it's an earthquake and it falls over, it's going to shatter and there's your water and glass shards on the ground. Um, yeah. But you can do anything from pallets of water bottles up through giant 55 gallon drums that you store in your parking space. Anything works. Um, you do have to keep an eye on, I know it's going to sound funny, but stored water does have expiration dates. And that's not that the water goes bad. It's that even the highest quality containers will eventually start leaching out into the water. It's usually a couple of years. Um, you can even get some that are like 10 year stable. But it's just one of those things you want to rotate through the supply on a kind of a regular basis. Uh, you can learn a whole lot about this. The Department of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness for Canada actually has this as a frequently asked question. So they go through quite a lot of detail about water storage and water treatment. All right, Wendy, thank you for that. Good question. Let's go to Lori in Vancouver. Hi, Lori. Yes, hello. Uh, good question. I live in a basement suite, and I'm not really sure where, like, all these different stories, um, you should be going under a table while well, my table's flimsy. And then they, some people say to stand in the, like in the doorway, sort of door sill thing. Or do you run outside and I just want to know what the best place to go to is. Okay. All right. So what you're trying to protect yourself from during an earthquake is from falling objects inside of your home. So you're not worried about the entire building falling down on you. Our building codes have been better than that for quite a while. And if you're in a basement suite, I'm guessing it's probably a couple of stories wood frame building. So it's gonna sway back and forth is a lot more likely than it collapsing. Um, but what you're worried about is like the lamp falling down, the picture frames that you didn't secure properly to the walls falling down, um, kitchen cupboards opening and all of those dishes flying out. So you're having a flimsy table is actually okay to just duck cover, hold on to the table because the table will try and walk away. Um, if you're in bed, curling up, putting the pillow, protecting the back and, and neck, um, back of your head and your neck with the pillow, um, doorways aren't really great because although there is good structure sound point, the door swings during the earthquake and bashes you uh, so that's not the best you absolutely do not want to run out of the building because what happens then is first the earthquake can knock you to the ground because the shaking is so severe uh, uh, one of the more common ways people get injured during an earthquake is they panic they run they hurt themselves um, or when you're leaving a building all those decorative things on the outside of the buildings any brick facings any lamp fixtures any of those uh, loose roof tiles all of that comes raining down and so that difference between indoors and outdoors is one of the most dangerous places to possibly be as everything falls on you okay well that's some good information there for sure let's uh, go back to the phone calls mika we got john in maple ridge hey john good morning mika i'm really enjoying your uh, listening to you and your your level of knowledge and how enthusiastically you're presenting it to us that's very good two quick questions i live in a house high up on a rock bluff on solid rock so i presume that 
think you semi-answered the question prior to the commercials of how should fare fairly well. And regarding Vancouver Island, I know places like Tofino and Euclid are a bad place to be if there ever was a tsunami. But I've heard the east coast of Vancouver Island, places like Parksville and Qualicum Beach would not be subjected to a tsunami. Is that true? Okay, we got one, we got one minute, Mika. Go ahead. All right. So Vancouver Island is like the world's greatest wave break. And it should be able to block most of the tsunami that's generated from off yeah. from the earthquake itself. Yes. The exception to this is if we have landslides generated by the earthquake, those rocks fall into the water and okay. spring up very small local tsunami. And then you have a problem. Okay. One, one more quick one, Mika. I'm asked on Twitter, could Mount Baker erupt? Yes, it could. Also, we have Pemberton. Looks like it might be an active volcano, and we're not oh. monitoring it right now. So it would be really, really good if we gave uh, some political pressure to give scientists the funding and the support necessary to keep an eye on Pemberton, because I really don't want to have an active volcano in my backyard that's not being monitored. Me neither. I think we could agree on that. Thank you, Mika. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Appreciate your time there. Mika McKinnon, she's a geophysicist and an earthquake researcher. She's based in North Vancouver.